You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host Jason Cook and today we've got David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. Welcome David. Hey Jason, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Well, thanks. It's a great day down here again in in Hobart. It's shaping up to be pretty good here too. (laughs) Beautiful sunny skies. I love this uh, time of year, except Mm. when it starts to get windy and rainy, which it sometimes does, but we've had some really good weather. Mm. Um, David, you'll be continuing your series today, Reflecting Jesus, and each time we kick off with a bit of a... Uh, a sharing time from yourself and uh, you've been sharing some blessings that you've found in your journey with uh, in your Christian walk. Yeah, I have and today I'm doing my second last one of this and next week I'm going to wrap it all up and bring it together. One of the great blessings for me that I never realised before being a ch- just a church member was how much of a blessing other people can be to a pastor. Mm. And throughout all the different churches that we've been assigned to since we started ministry, we've been really, really blessed to find people, kind people in all the churches that we've been in, that we can confide in, we can work alongside, and we can share our journeys with. And this is really, really important for pastors. So people who are listening, think about your pastor. And think about sometimes how lonely it can be for a pastor in the work that God's called them to do. And they're not, they're not against doing that work. It's, it's their passion often and it's, and it's what they feel is the only thing they can possibly do um, because God has laid that burden on their heart. But oftentimes there are not uh, as many people in a church that come alongside and work with a pastor. So give your pastor a break occasionally (laughs) um, and and see if there's a way that you can actually assist in doing some of those things. I can remember as an elder of a church once, a pastor we had at the time said to us, thank you, or said to me personally, thank you really, you know, for doing that, that Bible study. And I thought, well... Well, why is he thanking me? Doesn't everybody do that? Mm. And I found that, no, not it's not everybody's talent. It's not everybody's skill. And some people feel very self-conscious doing a Bible study with people. Their gifts are in other ways, like hospitality or something else. Mm. And so uh, those those gifts, people who have those gifts, are often in church leadership. And so... Um, Oftentimes when you're, when you're working in a church, you find you need to have those people alongside you. to, to uh, In the Bible, they did it two by two. They would go from one place to another two by two. And as a pastor, often that's difficult. And perhaps it's difficult for church members as well because uh, maybe they don't feel skilled enough. Uh, perhaps they don't have those skills and talents. And perhaps as they go along with a pastor, they feel like, well, he can do this on his own. What does he need me for? Mm. And and that's on the pastor. You know, we need to be better at training as well and uh, and encouraging and empowering people. But I found that a real blessing. 
and I can see why he thanked me for that uh, years years later. <laughs> now that you've been in the walked in the same shoes. <laughs> yes, yes, and you know, as we said once before on this show, walk in someone else's moccasins for a while. <clears throat> yeah, mm. for sure. And you see what they go through. Yeah. Um, David, uh, last week you talked about um, the sheep of another flock, which mm. uh, you can go back and have a listen to that episode. That's, um, I guess, reflecting Jesus' ministry in reaching out to people from different uh, faiths. different faiths, different mm. backgrounds. And uh, in a way today, it's sort of a, a similar um Similar topic in that we're looking at reaching out to people of different backgrounds. Yes. Uh, today, today's title is The Gentiles. But if mm. you want to go back and have a listen to the past episodes, you can do that on the Faith FM app. Download that from your phone app store. And uh, also you can listen on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. So you can listen to all of our Tassie Encounters programs. And also these uh, programs get published into the podcast areas, uh, particularly on the Apple Play Store and many other podcast areas. So if you're interested in listening to this on a podcast uh, at a delayed time, you can uh, use your favorite podcasting app on the phone and um, search for Tassie Encounters. You'll find us on there as well. Um, just remember our show number as well is 0488 We will have a free book offer later in the program and we've got some questions for you as well. So we'd love to hear mm. from you today. Um, so, yeah, would you like to just uh, introduce our, our topic today, um, the, the title of which is The Gentiles? Yes, I'd like to look at this. We're looking at different people groups uh, and different types of people and how Jesus wants or Jesus reached out to these people or perhaps not. We'll, we'll, look at, we'll d- discover that today um, and, and how we can actually reflect Jesus because that's the type, title of the whole series here is Reflecting Jesus. How can we do that? Do what he did. And perhaps in this one today, we might not see so much of that reflection, but I would like to expand on what the Gentiles were, who the Gentiles were. We're going we're gonna to dig into that. Mm. But before we, we start that and before our break today, the first one, I would like to ask our listeners if they've ever come across someone who seemed really needy. You know, someone who came to them for help, and if they did, um, what happened? Now, I, I don't, I don't mean you know, big note yourself and you know, say all those things that I've done this and I've done that. But if there has been an experience that you had that really stood out to you, because I think most people have had someone needy come up to them. Mm. Look, highlight what it's like. I'd like to share two, and perhaps if we've got time, maybe you'd like to uh, share one that, uh, that that you've encountered as well, Jason. Sure. So for me, there was a man in when we were in Perth, and it was two particular men that have come to mind as I was thinking about this. One was in the mall uh, in Perth as itself, and I would go out and have a walk during lunch break um, just so that I could get out of the office. Uh, I used to sit in the office a lot in the IT uh, information technology world. So I would go out and have a walk down the, the mall and there were always people, I think most cities have people, who sit and who beg, who ask for money. Sometimes they have a sign. And this man had a sign and he said, please help me, I'm hungry. And he really looked it too. Mm-hmm. So I was 
it seemed like he wasn't really expecting anything. He was quite dejected. He was looking down. And some people that I've met like that, when you offer them a meal, they go, oh, no, just give me the money. And you wonder whether they're genuine. So I, I, I said to this man, look, you look hungry. Would you like something to eat? And he looked up and he was really surprised and he said, oh, yes, please. And he was surprised when I took him into a, a place nearby and bought him something to eat, what he wanted to eat, rather than, you know, bag of Maccas. And, and he was just so appreciative. I could see this man was genuine. And uh, he thanked me and I, and I went my way. Another experience that I had was a man, uh, as I came out of the bus depot, uh, the bus terminal, also in Perth, he was sitting on the overpass and he had a sign, got no home, uh, got no money, got no food, please give me something to help. And I, I did, I gave him something small, I probably could have given him more, but you know how we are, um, <laughs> we like to give the lowest denomination sometimes, but I gave him what I had in my wallet um, that, that, that I could spare and then I, I asked him if he really needed help and he looked at me and he said, oh yes please. I said, all right, well, I, during my lunch break, I'm going to do some research and I'm going to find some help for you and I'll get back to you. So cutting the long story short, I actually found some accommodation. It, it appeared he was known to these companies in, in Perth. Um, he'd done the rounds. Uh, so I, one of them he said, yeah, look, we'll take him again. And so I, I went back to him with the details and gave him the number and said, look, here's the number. Um, they're willing to take you in tonight and they'll, they'll give you a place to stay. The very next morning, I came off the bus and there he was with the sign, got no home, mm. got no food, got no money, please help. Mm. And I just bent down to him and I said, you know, I, I gave you the help that you were asking for and it doesn't seem like you really need it. Mm. And, and it was a eye-opening to me. Um, I don't know what happened, but I think sometimes we've got to offer We've got to find the real way to help people mm. and then help them where we can. Mm. I do remember a similar situation where I ran into someone down at, down at the Salamanga Markets area. Um, it was uh, during a weekday. Um, I have an office where I work down there and I was going to move my car and ran into a guy who was asking for money because he wanted food for the evening meal. And mm. um, and so we weren't far away from a little grocery store and I asked him if he'd like to come up and I could buy him the food that he needed, um, but he didn't want to do that. And mm. after uh, much discussion um, and uh, contacting our ADRA agency, um, mm. he declined all offers of... Uh, purchasing uh, food it seems yeah. like he just wanted the cash to do something else with yeah so that was that was sad because um yeah you know i did want to help him and he did seem like he he was in a, a bad situation so. mm. Mm. can be difficult we're going to go to a break uh, just remember the question uh, have you ever come across someone who really needed help or seemed to really need help and uh, they came and asked you what happened we'd love to hear from you today this uh, first song is called Cut to the Heart. It's by Luke Partridge.
listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're talking with David Maxwell and uh, we're looking at the topic of the Gentiles and how Jesus interacted and uh, reached out to them and we've wanted to know from you have you ever had somebody who seemed really needy came up to you and asked you for help what happened um, perhaps uh, you'd like to share whether or not we should help people who ask for help on the street or wherever. Text us in your answer, 0488-880-891. So, uh, David, we're going to get into this topic, and you're going to, have to look at how um, we can reach out, how Jesus reached out to the Gentiles, and, of course, we need to understand what that means to us today as well. So would you like mm. to start unpacking that for us? Yeah, absolutely, Jason. And, and it may be a little different to what people think, so I hope they gain something from this. You know, we know that Jesus, as we mentioned last week, wants to reach out to everyone with his love and grace and help to restore everyone to God. And this week I want to look at this particular group of people that were generally referred to in first century Palestine as the Gentiles. But first we're going to pray and then I'll get you to read this passage we're going to look at today in Matthew. And uh, hopefully we'll get uh, get some information out of that that might help people. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we still have your word today and that we're able to read it and gain so much for our own journeys and to assist others. Lord, I pray you would speak to us today as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Jason, would you mind reading Matthew twelve fifteen to 21? And I've asked you today in the, King, the New King James. Sure. It says in verse 15, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Yet he warned them not to make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarry nor sorry, he will not quarrel or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and his name and in his name Gentiles will trust. Mm, that's it. And there's the mention of the Gentiles there. Who are yeah. these people? So three, Who are these people? At least two, two, three times, I think. Yes, passage, that's yeah. right. That's right. And here Jesus is, uh, is, is simply quoting the Old Testament. Mm. And I'm sure most people have heard the sayings, a brother from another mother or sisters from another mister, um, to describe siblings from mixed families. Well, one form of that is when children are adopted. Um, There's a mixed family, really. Uh, And and in a really good family where adopted children live, the adopted siblings are treated so well, just like the biological children, that that, um, indeed they don't even realise that they're adopted. And, And in those families, it's often a real shock to the person to the child later when they find out they're adopted. Mm. Um, Our sisters were both adopted. So we had four boys in our family and two girls. Both the girls were adopted in between the three older boys and the younger son. And they they were, uh, sorry, the younger, our younger brother. And we witnessed this firsthand. We, We accepted them as our 
biological sisters because we didn't have any other sisters and it was really 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 nice one of them was asian background one was a indian background and they were so well accepted that a lady at one of our churches once uh, we always are amused by this looked at my uh, younger sister who had asian background and she had quite asian looking features uh, many times looked at her looked at dad and said oh you guys are so similar and we laughed and we thought, how can he be similar? There's nothing like it. Mm. But perhaps there's that, you know, by beholding you become changed. But but they fitted into our family so well, really, really well. There was even that normal sibling rivalry. Um, but when other people caused them heartache at all, the four of us boys produced a very intimidating united front and made sure it didn't happen again. That's how close we were in our family, and we still are in many, many ways. So although adopted children often feel different to the biological ones, a loving family makes them feel like they're part of it. And this is what God does for us. He had a really special role for the Israelite people because he viewed them as his, inverted commas, biological sons and daughters. The Bible refers to the Israelites as God's firstborn in Exodus 4.22, which is a very interesting study on its own. We haven't got time to dig into that today. However, when they rejected their calling, um, and that's around AD 34, if we want to put a time on it, Jesus adopts everyone else who would accept him. We see that in Galatians 3.29. Mm. And, of course, we know that uh, Paul's special ministry was uh, for the Gentiles. It was. We're going to look at that a little bit later. Um, So there are two clear groups mentioned in the Bible, the firstborn, the Israelites, and another group um, who who God still cared for, but in essence adopted, as we see it from the Bible sense. And today we're going to see who these adopted or non-Israelite people are, both in first century Palestine as they're writing the Gospels and, uh, and also by extension today. And I think that's probably more important to us. So the word Gentile, both in Hebrew and Greek, the Old Testament, New Testament, means non-Jew, a pagan or a heathen. And this is because all those who weren't genetically connected to the Jewish or Hebrew people um, were called Gentiles. And they were actually shunned by the Jews. And they, the, the Jews assumed because the Gentiles weren't part of God's people, inverted commas, they couldn't be saved. And as we move biblically into the times of the New Testament church, we can also see that there's this conversation that's had and the the word Gentiles comes up as well. Now, this might have been a reference that was primarily used by the Jewish converts to, um, you know, non-Jewish people. I'm, I'm not sure. But elsewhere... They're referred to by their their nationality as well. For example, Greeks, and they're called literally Greeks. Today, uh, anyone who is a non-Jew is a Gentile, which includes who? Us. You and I. Yeah, It does. We're, we're Gentiles today in the true sense of the word, biblically. However, for the purpose of this study, we can apply the New Testament church's application because they were referring to generally anyone who wasn't saved as as a Gentile, because the word Gentile actually means pagan or heathen. Mm. So anyone who's unsaved. 
we can use that application today. And this would give an accurate application to what Jesus was actually seeking to do through the early church and, by extension, through present-day church, of course. In the social castes of India, you might have heard of these social castes. There's essentially only four main castes, and you'll find this in various places online, uh, Britannica and a number of other places, you know, Wikipedia if you want to read it. There's these four castes, the Brahmin caste, that's the highest, and that's the caste for people who are intellectual leaders, Hindu priests or advisors. Then there's the, uh, let me see if I can pronounce this, uh, Kshatriya caste, and this includes rulers, military leaders, large landholders. The third caste is the um, Vashna caste, and this includes merchants, traders and farmers. And the fourth or lowest of these four castes is the Shudra caste, and that uh, traditionally includes labourers and servants. However, there's actually a fifth group of people, not a caste as such, but a separate group of people, and these were originally referred to as the untouchables. These, these untouchables actually exist outside the caste system, and they include people of very low status, like beggars or anyone else who falls outside the caste system and are commonly referred to today as the Dalit. So you just imagine if you went and lived in India today, you would be classed as the Dalit Mm. because you're outside of the caste system. Mm. That's very interesting. And it's not what we would assume if we being a white European went to a country like India, but that's where we fall in the caste system. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that um, in Australia we, you know, base our status, I guess, on on not so much our casting, mm. <laughs> but on uh, how we achieve things. And in, I think mm. in, in India, I did travel there once with uh, an employee of mine, um, you you basically are stuck in your caste, and it's it's impossible Correct. to get out of that. So. You can't get out of it, no. Mm. So in Jesus' day, these untouchables or Dalit of the first century Palestine were the Gentiles. You weren't even allowed to. The Jews weren't even allowed to go into a Gentile's house, and if they did, they had to bathe, and they weren't fit for worshiping in the temple for some time. So when Jesus comes along, and he's associating with the Gentiles. It outrages the religious leaders of their day. Mm. Very interesting. And mm. uh, we'll delve more into this and how it applies to us today uh, in the next sections. But right now we're going to go to a break. But do remember our question. Have you ever had somebody who came up to you, somebody really needy, and asked for help? Um, what did you do? What happened? Uh, perhaps share, you know, should we actually help people who ask or help on the streets and things like that. Text us in your answer, 488 This is Only the Sick Need a Physician by Caroline Cobb. Who is this man who sits with the sinners, who dines with the drunkards and loves the unclean?
would hang on a tree despised and rejected and nailed to the wood you saved all the others but can't save yourself we don't need you jesus we're well and we're program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're speaking with David Maxwell on the series Reflecting Jesus. And uh, we've been talking about the topic of the Gentiles. And uh, David, before the break, you were talking about how the Gentiles, from the perspective of the Jews, they were considered mm. the lowest of the low because they were the special people, and the others were not. <laughs> they mm. were the they were the rejected ones or the the unclean ones. And yet Jesus yeah. still hang around with them and uh, reached out to them. So, uh, would you like to explain this a bit more? Yeah, absolutely, Jason, absolutely. So before the break, I was saying that even though the Gentiles were considered untouchable by the Jews, um, Jesus didn't stop ministering to them. It actually, I think he actually was drawn to these people because they were, they were so poor in spirit and they were really longing for acceptance and ownership. So how, in this section, I want to look at how Jesus reached out to them. And Jesus reached specifically the non-Jews or Gentiles in two specific ways, two, two quite different ways. Firstly, as we discovered last week, Jesus healed and saved those non-Jews or Gentiles that sought him out and came looking for him um, for help. Remember the Syrophoenician woman mm. uh, who, who was really very unclean as far as the Jews were concerned and she was a woman which you know was like the double whammy um, and, and they really didn't count her as worth anything they actually counted women in her position as less valuable than a, a beast of burden and I think that's just horrendous mm. and we've got to be so careful that we don't put people in those categories today and then there was also the centurion's son that we talked about centurion um, they, they, he was a, a non-Jew. He was a Roman. The Jews weren't even considered, weren't, wouldn't even consider going into their house. That's how they placed them. So, secondly, 
Jesus actually taught and healed those who came to him without exception. It doesn't say that as they sat on the hill, the Jews sat here, the Greeks sat over there, and they weren't allowed to listen. No, it doesn't say that. They, everyone who came, Jesus taught. Everyone who came to be healed, Jesus healed without exception. So that was one way um, that Jesus actually reached out to them. It wasn't quite as direct as we might think, but it was there. And lastly, after special revelation to his apostles, Paul and Peter specifically, and perhaps some of the others, of course, Jesus actually had the early church reach out to these people, these non-Jews, if you like. And it was specifically after AD 34, when the time of repentance for the nation of the Jews ran out. We haven't got time to dig into that today, but that was the first 490 years of a 2300 day or year prophecy in Daniel. So Jesus had work for Paul to do. Now, Paul was a very devout Jew. He was a Pharisee. He said he had the heritage of a Pharisee, he had the heritage of the Jews, so he was a Jew of the Jews, if you like. <clears throat> Jesus stops him in th this sincere but destructive work that he was doing. He saw this this group of people called Christians, um, or as they called it, the way, as a sect, as a destructive sect for the Jewish, Jewish nation and the Jewish people. So he set about destroying it. And God pulled him up in his thinking. God stopped him on the road as he was heading to carry out one of these letters to arrest the Christians. And God showed him the truth about what he was doing and corrected his thinking. You imagine you're heading on a certain path, you have a very definite plan in mind, you think it's God's way, then God shows up and says, hey, you've made a mistake. Mm. You know, and, and it was a big shock to him. He didn't eat for three days as he was thinking about all the bad he's been doing against God when he thought he was doing it for God. Mm. So God showed him all the things he was going to have to do for the gospel. Um, both the Jews as well as the Gentiles. And he does this through um, specific revelations. Now, I want to read just briefly, and I'll read as quickly as I can, where we see this happening. So in Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter, where are we? Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11 to 17 he, he does it. So let me read really, really quickly. Actually, uh, we haven't got time to read it all. So what I'll, what I'll read is just a portion of it. Galatians 1, 11. And he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the only way this could have happened was when he met Jesus on the road, and when he then went to Arabia later on, as you read this, you see that he goes to Arabia, and he spends some time in Arabia, and, and Jesus re reveals things to him that otherwise he wouldn't have known. And you see that, one of those in, in 1 Corinthians, as he's talking about the Lord's Supper, we know that Paul is not at the Lord's Supper. He is still a Jew at this time, maybe mm -hmm. quite a young one. And and he says here in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also deliver, delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and broke it. And he goes on and talks about what Jesus did and what he wants us to do. 
So Paul wasn't there. The only way he could have had that information is if, as he says, it was revealed to him through Jesus. Mm. Paul then goes on to write so much from these revelations. He writes about a third of our New Testament today, which is why his writings are included. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Philemon and Hebrews, and some of those have multiple letters. And some of these were for the non-Jews. And, and I see this in a story um, where, where Paul was specifically preaching to the Gentiles. In Acts 13, in this story, you can read it yourself, 16 to 42 and also 44. He, he preaches in the synagogue to the Jews. Somehow the Greeks and the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are outside. They get to hear a bit of it, probably not all of it. And they say, can you preach this to us? Can you tell us the same thing you've taught them? The next Sabbath, that's what he does. Almost the whole town of non-Jews come together to hear what he has to say, and he preaches it to them. So here you can see quite specifically he's preaching to the Jews, uh, the non-Jews. Hmm. There was also the work for Peter. Now, Peter was also a Jew, and he thought, like most Jews, that Gentiles weren't to be associated with. But God gives him a vision, and many people use this vision in the wrong way. But God gave him a vision of animals that were unclean and showed him, as you see later as you read this chapter, we read um, Acts 10, that he clearly saw that, hey, I'm wrong here. God has the gospel for everyone, not just for the Jews. So this experience taught him, that the, and also the whole Christian church by extension, that God wants to save everyone. And why did Jesus reach out to those beyond the Jewish people? Well, it's a bit like we talked about last week. Although he came to restore the Jewish people in their mission and to save them, he also came to save everyone. And that gives me great hope because his great love for all mankind means that he cares about me. And I'm a non-Jew. I'm a Gentile. Mm. So Jesus, uh, I guess his first mission, we learned this last or last two weeks, uh, his first um, mission was to reach the Jews. Mm. But um, he didn't uh, only do that. He reached out also to... Um, to the Gentiles, although that work continued through the work of uh, Paul and, and others, as we have just learned. Mm. So um, we're going to go to another break. Um, we're going to look at another um, couple of uh, points after the break. We have a free book offer today. It's called Have You Ever Been Lost? And this is by Chris Holland. Maybe you've faced a crossroad in your life with no idea which way to go. Possibly you've taken a wrong turn and nothing looks familiar. It's inevitable your anxiety levels increase dramatically when you know that you are lost. Maybe thinking about being physically lost as you're thinking about other emotions that come with it. The overall uncertainty of what to do or that unsettled feeling of wandering alone in the wilderness. In the Bible, we find hope for the wanderer, hope for the restless soul who is looking for something more. There is assurance here in a world of so much uncertainty. In this book, we will look at Luke 15 and see that we do not need to feel lost. We can be found and live a life of assurance. 
This uh, will give you the code straight after break, but this song is His Eyes. This is by the Rochesters. Sometimes his eyes were gentle and filled with laughter. Sometimes they cried. Sometimes there was a fire of holy anger in Jesus' eyes. But the eyes that saw hope in the hopeless, that saw through the fall to the are the same eyes that look down from heaven into the deepest part of you and me. And His eyes are always upon us. His eyes never close in sleep. And no matter where you go, you will always be. Sometimes his voice is quiet and we start to wonder if he knows our pain. But he who spoke peace to the water cares more for our hearts than the waves. And the voice that once said, you're forgiven, still says you're forgiven today. to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're speaking with David Maxwell on the topic of the Gentiles and before the break I promised the code to our book our free book giveaway today Have You Ever Been Lost by Chris Holland so the t- code for today is REFLECT23 R-E-F-L-E-C-T and the number 23 text that in to 0488 880 
891 to claim this free book offer. Now, David, I think I was a little confused, um, mm. and I'm just asking you to clarify. Did or didn't Jesus specifically go out of his way to save these Gentiles while he was here? Because we did see that there were some specific examples. Mm. Yeah, you're right, Jason. Uh, mostly you're right. He, he didn't specifically go out of his way. He said himself that he was called for the lost sheep of Israel, as we looked at some weeks ago. So. We do, though, have some stories where he did go out of his way, like the Samaritan woman at the well and the Samaritans in that town. He, he goes out of his way. He didn't really need to go there, as we saw um, last week, but he went anyway. And it seems he said he needed to go, and it seems the reason he went was because they were genuinely seeking them, siring truth. But specifically, he had, uh, he had um, given that job just before he leaves, he tells his disciples. We'll look into that in a moment. Mm. Um, so we're in our last section, and uh, there's a few th- few matters that we need to cover to finish us off today. Yeah, yeah, how and why it actually matters to us. So first and foremost, if we're true followers of Jesus, we want to do the things that Jesus was doing. We want to be carrying on with his mission, and to be quite frank, this is what he leaves us to do you know as he as he's leaving he says go (laughs) he doesn't say stay wait for them to come to you Mm. like he did Mm. he said this is your mission your mission is to go Mm. not just to jerusalem and judea he says jerusalem where they are judea the surrounding area then samaria which was for them gentiles and the rest of the world so he actually sends them out to do this so it's it's very very important. Um, so a- as we dig into this very last section, what I want to talk about here is firstly the why, uh, because that's what it leads us leads mm. us to. Why would we want to do it? Well, again, in this last section, I'll start with the why, and that's really quite quick, and then we'll go into the how. <clears throat> the why is really quite simple because Jesus, when he sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts. The Holy Spirit fills us with the same desires that God has, and that is to save others while there's time. So that's something that naturally should happen as we grow as Christians. The how, well, I'm almost hesitant to then outline the ways prescriptively as we reach out to others or how we can reach out to others, because as the Holy Spirit often works in very different ways with different people, we find he is not as prescriptive as we like to be. There's not just one way God reaches people. Mm. There's as many different ways the Holy Spirit can use us as there are different kinds of people. But I'll just briefly outline um, some ways that we can assist the Holy Spirit and God to reach the people that he really wants us to. So what about Australian untouchables? Well, thinking back to the last segment discussion around the untouchables of India, who would you consider in Australia to be people who fall into that untouchable category today? I'd probably say, um, you know, homelessness, uh, people on the streets. <coughs> Absolutely. Perhaps. Um, yeah, perhaps yeah. there's other categories as well. Yeah, look, some people put the drug dependent or sex workers in that category as well. And perhaps some even consider our First Nations people in the category, which would be really sad. But unfortunately, many do. You know, Mm. we we look at people in their social standing and then we say, no, these are untouchables. We can't help them. And that's really sad. But um, nevertheless, it it does happen. But whoever it is for you that you might think fits into this category, 
the category is actually much larger than you think and and actually contains more people today than you might think. The people that we would justifiably call the Gentiles in our Christian experience, because the word means pagan or heathen, are simply those who don't yet know God. So yes, uh, in, in the sense of untouchables, it may be the homeless, it may be those who are drug dependent, it may be these in the categories that we don't like to talk about or we don't like to talk or associate with doesn't mean they're any less loved by God. It's actually quite the opposite. God loves them even more because they have so many barriers in front of them. But um, for us, the real question should be how do we relate to those who don't yet know God? The example of Jesus tells us that, that when they come to us, firstly, don't turn them away. Assist them as their need requires. Also, as Jesus directed all of his disciples to go, as I said before the break, and seek them in your daily efforts, God instructs through Paul to use different methods for different people to do the most good. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23, he says, you know, for people who are poor, I've been poor. For people who are rich, I've been rich. I've been all things to all people that I might save some. Mm. But more than that, it actually gives everyone the same opportunity and as, as being someone who is not a respecter of persons. Don't show favoritism to people. Mm. Don't, don't, you know, someone comes in and they're dressed well. Jesus said the same thing. Don't put them in the, the best seat, you know. Um, look at those who uh, come into your house, who come into your church, who come into your uh, experience all the same. Don't favour some and ignore others. And Peter dis- d- discovers this in Acts chapter 10, as, we, as we've already talked about. So I bring you back as we close to this opening illustrations of, of sister from another mister. Just as we didn't treat our adopted sisters any different from, from each other, and, you know, for sometimes they actually probably disappointed that they weren't treated a little bit more specially, so too God wants us to treat all people, saved or unsaved, rich or poor, all the same. He wants us to make a special effort to ensure that those who may have the most obstacles in front of them for effectual learning actually get to hear the good news and make it a meaningful to them. Mm. So today, who is that untouchable? Who is that Gentile around you? And how are you going to be able to share the good news about what God's done for you and what God has done for us and include them? in his family as well as you. That's my challenge for you today. Yeah, that certainly is a challenge. And um, we, I, I guess I'm grateful for the, the message you've given today because it it's always good for us to think about these sort of things. We did have uh, Paula text in. Mm. Um, she says, there's always plenty of people one way or another needing help. And yes, they come up to me and I never refuse help. I feel we should be careful of what we value or what value we put on the giving. To my mm. mind, it should be without conditions. I mm. always say to my friends, once I give them money, <laughs> it's theirs. Mm. It's no longer mine, and it's up to them what they choose to do with it. Mm. Uh, she also gives some advice here. Don't always assume drugs and alcohol are the cause. We mm. must be careful of being condescending or judging. Also, don't always wait for somebody to come up to you. Go to them freely with the gift of giving. Great. That's a great message, Paula. We thank you for Mm. texting in today and such a detailed message as well. So 
um, we just ask uh, or we hope and pray that uh, God blesses you because of your attitude towards helping people. It's um, it's lovely to hear that. Mm. David, next week, what's your topic? Next week, we're going to complete this series of Reflecting Jesus. We're going to look at one group of people we wish sometimes was not mentioned in the Bible, and that's your enemies. Mm. Enemies. How do we deal with these people? Yeah, and how did Jesus ask us to, <laughs> to deal with it? Mm. Um, tomorrow, we've got Tamika Sporting joining us again, and uh, she's covering a topic called I Am a Friend of God. So do join us for tomorrow's program. Um, and of course, uh, our code for today is reflect number 23, R-E-F-L-E-C-T number 23. Text that into 0488-880891 for our free book offer today, which is Have You Ever Been Lost? And that's by Chris Holland. Well, we just hope that wherever you are today, whatever you're doing for the rest of the day, that uh, you feel God's gentle presence with you. And uh, we thank you again, David, for presenting Mm. today for us. Thanks, Jason. This is Call Me Your Own by Isla Vista Worship and John Jinhan. Yeah.